Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. We've seen a deterioration in the level of play without any practice time, and yet we also have guys still load managing because of the schedule. So the way they're looking at it is, let's play fewer games, but but let's have everybody playing every game and figure out a way to create a schedule where we still have teams taking games off because at 82 you can afford to. If you play a a lesser schedule, every game's going to be a little more meaningful. That's Rick Buecher on the NBA attempting to curb load management. PK, I I bet it was back in 2005 we were talking about a 66-game season. Play everybody twice, except in your division, you play them four times. Boom, 66. There it is. 16 games gone. You're getting rid of back-to-backs. That ought to fix it. I don't think it's boom, there it is. I think it's whoop, there it is. Well, in this case, it's boom. In other cases, it is whoop. But right now, boom. I didn't even know that they have divisions anymore. We don't really... I never look at the standards of divisions. You know, you can, you can set it up on your computer however you want. I always look at it in conferences. The thing that does is it would give a few more games, you know, to the geographic rivals. So the Boston, New York, and Phillies can play each other and the Lakers and the Clippers and the Warriors, you know, that kind of thing. I don't think it's as critical for the Jazz unless you feel some kind of real pull to, you know, seeing more games with Denver. But there are teams, you know, the Texas teams, where uh, that could matter. Woj says uh, they changed the date. We've been saying July 31st on the NBA restart. The NBA tweaked it or is in the process of tweaking it. Expected July 30. It's not a big deal, but hey, it's a day earlier. It's a day we don't have to wait, so I'll take it. Good for you. Did you see the pictures on social media of the Joker? Denver Nuggets star, Nikola Djokic. Skinny. He's dropped some pounds. Barely recognized him. Well, as my mother once said, 90% of that is a half joker. 99% of it is a half joker. Okay, I'll figure out what that means later. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I like our setup right now. You know, I, I love the way Gino fits together in, in our role and all that. So that it's not really available at, at this time for us. But if Russ ever got tangled up and couldn't play or something, Cap would have been an extraordinary candidate to take over because of his the dynamics of his play. You know, we've always really cherished the unique qualities that players bring, in, and he had a unique style that we couldn't have respected more. But but as the backup, you know, I hope he's going to get a, get a chance to, to, to do that because he really he deserves to be playing. That's Pete Carroll right there. Said uh, he regrets not signing Colin Kaepernick in 2017 and says he got a call early in the day from another team asking about Kaepernick. But they got Geno Smith, so they're good to go. Hey, he deserves to play, just not here. That could be a distraction and a headache and a lot of questions. And I really think another coach should take on that headache and answer those questions. Have that press conference, get in the mix, see if he can tick off his GM and his owner or his fan base or the corporate sponsors or his players. 
Baltimore Ravens coach John Harbaugh voicing his frustrations Thursday over the guidelines the NFL has sent outlining procedures for the full reopening of practices. Told a radio station, I've seen all the memos on that. To be quite honest with you, it's impossible what they're asking us to do. Humanly impossible. So we're going to do everything we can do. We're going to have space. We're going to have masks. But you know it's a communication sport. We have to be able to communicate with each other in person. We have to practice. I guess we'll watch them sweat this out and figure it out. Or ignore it and wait for the games to start while they complain about whatever their issues are. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. I don't want this to sound blasphemous, but time is running out on Nick Saban. Uh, It's been two years since he's won a national championship, two seasons. That's a long time. He hasn't gone that far or that long at Alabama uh, since the early part of his career there. And I think this is his best team. Uh, The season is unknown at this point. However, uh, there are many other programs catching up a little bit. It's no longer, you can no longer make a blanket statement, Nick Saban's going to win a bunch of national, a bunch of national championships. That's Paul Feinbaum and his dog saying that time is running out on Nick Saban, who is 68. He'll turn 69 during this season. Two years without a national title. You know, he's had a lot of assistants who've gone in, studied the program, learned what he does, and, and they go try to replicate it somewhere else. And Clemson really has it down cold. Two things going on there. What are the two things? One, Clemson's gotten really good, and two, he's gone through a lot of assistant coaches. He has to keep training new guys, and they take what they learn from him and go somewhere else and try and do their own thing. But he's constantly cycling through assistants and coordinators. I think over time okay. that's had an impact. And if those assistants and coordinators learn how to recruit the best players, they're going to win. There it is. And even if they don't, if they just take away a few from him and lower the level of the Alabama team a little more, that makes it easier for Clemson to beat him. Or whoever else, you know, is LSU this past season. Well, I mean, time's running out on everybody. Nobody stays on top forever and ever, so it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, Nick Saban is no different than anybody else. Who's going to win every single year? It's been two years. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe it? Ask Jim Harbaugh what he thinks about it's been two years. (laughs) Jim Harbaugh. And a little more than two. Michigan's right on the cusp, though. Come on. Jim's on the phone. I'll trade my problems for your problems, Nick. I'll take all your problems. Give them to me. You have mine. And Feinbaum, get a manly dog, not a little yapper. That was a little yapper. You could just tell that dog had to weigh about nine and a half pounds. Yeah, get a real dog, man. Jeez. Come on, Paul. My dad always liked the medium-sized dog. The the 20 to 25-pound dog. Cocker Spaniels. Uh, no, no. All dogs, in order to enjoy your dog completely, it's got to be in the 60 to 80 pound range. Really? It, absolutely, yes. Get a real dog. We had a neighbor. I don't know how big this dog was because I was a kid, but in my mind, it was almost a horse. Now, it probably wasn't, but our neighbor, Travis, Travis Wolf, he was the uh, same grade as me, and he, his family had a great Dane. They go running around the neighborhood with the Great Dane. That dog was huge. Totally intimidating. Nice dog, though, but totally intimidated me. I mean, I was like seven. The dog was as big as me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know. 
NCAA Division I Football Oversight Committee passed a six-week practice plan to kick off the season in time, so now it's got to be approved by the NCAA Division I Council. But if it does, that means BYU and Utah would open their fall camps on August 5. So, circle that date. DJ PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. If they can't get an agreement in the next week or so, then I think the commissioner probably just pivots to, hey, we're going to play whether it's 48 games or 56 games, whatever it ends up being. They can announce that next week, and then, then at least we'll know. That's Fox Sports' John Morosi. The short-term outlook for Major League Baseball. If he's right, then all this back and forth is coming to an end, and I, I think we'll all enjoy that. Get on Thank it. goodness for John Morosi and Rick Buecher, huh? <laughs> Former Boston Red Sox manager and Houston Astros bench coach Alex Cora is taking responsibility for his role in the sign-stealing saga, but he's not ready to shoulder all the blame. His quote, out of this whole process, if there is one thing that I completely reject and disagree with, is people within the Astros organization singling me out, particularly, he cites the former GM, Jeff Lunau, as if I were the sole mastermind. If there's one thing I'm absolutely sure of it, it's that it was not a two-man show. We all did it, and let me be very clear, I'm not denying my responsibility, because we were all responsible. Can't wait to get back to baseball so they get thrown at and we can talk about this again. Well, that makes sense. I mean, at the very least, he couldn't have been the sole mastermind, because even if he created it, he wasn't up there swinging the bat. Yeah, right. And he wasn't the one banging the trash cans. That would have looked... That would have been awfully suspicious <laughs> if the bench coach had been dug out like, some, like he's in the band. <laughs> hey, Ringo, knock it off. <laughs> so, of course, there has to be other people involved. Simple logic would dictate that. So, if anybody, I don't know, I, I don't walk in his shoes, so I haven't paid attention to where Joey Cora, man, if we wouldn't have had him, none of this wouldn't have happened. I don't know if it's to that point. But common sense would indicate that, of course, he wasn't the only one involved. Even if he was the one who created the whole scheme, there had to have been other people involved in it. And I still want to know the other teams because it just I don't think it stopped at Boston and Houston. We've heard the rumors, but, man, they've closed up shop on this one. There's nothing leaking out about it. Who else did it? They're taking well, all the heat. Cares. Nobody cares if Kansas City did it because you didn't win enough. If I take steroids and still suck, nobody cares. <laughs> I was all roided up. I had eight homers. Yeah. I had eight homers and 23 ribbies before I was benched, platooned, and then benched. Right. And there were actually plenty of guys who did that. We heard all kinds of stories about guys who you know, are double or triple A and trying to get to the major leagues and play enough to get their pension, but they're not stars and Bonds and Sosa McGuire and Clemens are. So yeah. we talk about A-Rod because he got busted twice. Right. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL's in uh, Orlando for the tournament starting July 8th. They find out who's going to be in their group. Conveniently, Colorado Rapids and Sporting Kansas City. Also, Minnesota. It was amazing how many of the uh, rivals ended up in the same group. It was uh, fluky. What were the odds on that, Yach? About a billion to one? Yeah, pretty much. LA teams were together. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not here. Ah, you did you care? Him? Yeah. Well, the, the only thing I would say is that I would precede rivals with the word bitter. <laughs> Particularly in the case of Sporting Kansas City. We hate them. them. They, they hate, hate us. 
<laughs> you can't have that anymore. That's it's, just politically incorrect. Nor can you call the stadium the riot anymore, guys. No, yeah, Come probably, on. Probably can't call it the riot anymore. That's I've been telling you that for years. It's about. To, it's like the text line. I've been telling you not to pay attention to that for years. 64636, right. keyword zone. Text. Oh, wait, it doesn't work anymore. Let me try logging you, into the system real quick. Thing. You can't have the word riot. I said, if you'd been through a riot, you wouldn't do it. Now you've all been through one, and you don't, you run from it. Listen to me. DJ and PK. Here's Rom at the eighth just a moment ago. Pretty good there. Well, we were hoping for better audio with no fans <laughs> surrounding the course. Apologize if anybody was offended by what they may have heard there. Golf. Hello, bleeping friends. I'm Jim Nance. I haven't been around for three months, and now i got to start apologizing for people. Well, hey. without the gallery there to drain out, go- drain, drown out the golfers, drain them out, drown out the golfers, we heard everything. That's a good bleeping shot. That's a good bleeping yeah. shot. Let me tell you something. It's the way Sun Devils talk. You got a problem <laughs> with that? It's on you. Justin Rose, Harold Varner III, tied at seven under. Uh, there's a group of like five guys at six under. Tony Finau is two under. Zach Blair, one over. Keith Clearwater, six over after one day. You know, and it's different because there's no defense, but you do wonder when there's been a long layoff, how are people going to come back? And that is about what the scoreboard ought to look like at the Colonial. I mean, it's, uh, it's a shorter course. The guys usually go pretty low. Not a big surprise that there'd be a bunch of people, you know, shooting 65 and lower. I think there were like 15 people, 65 or better. Oh, I would think these guys have been honing their game now for weeks. So, yeah, I don't see where that's a big issue. I mean, they could be able to golf. You can get them. They, this is what they do for a job. So, I don't think they've sat around for three months without touching clubs. So, yeah, I expected it completely. So, you want to draw a line then to basketball that they're going to be playing five on five for weeks before they start playing games again on July 30th. So, it ought to look pretty good, too. Just well, Joe Ingles, Joe Ingles told us that he and his team would be ready to go. And yep. He's a 32-year-old man who's been playing professionally for many, many years. So 15. if he's yeah, if he's saying that, he's saying that for a reason. So yes, it's a little bit different because you know there is a more of a team element there. But and, and I think for the Jazz. The, the biggest thing is going to be adjusting rotations without one of their mainstays as opposed to the layoff. The layoff is a factor for sure, but I think bigger factor is what are they going to do without the loss of someone who's been there? How many games has Bogdanovich missed? I mean, he had an issue early on in the early. season. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, he's been there and he's been a new player and that stuff takes time. So I think that can stall the process a little bit figuring out who's going to be playing where and when and all that type of stuff because they're going to have to come up with a with a lineup without him in it for the first time in a long time. All right, there you are. That's what's trending. Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up today, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, is going to join us at 8 o'clock. Ryan Lacey, former Utah cornerback, is going to join us at 9 o'clock. Really critical of Morgan Scally. Says he heard some uh, inappropriate stuff up there. We're going to talk with him about that. 
and get his take on that. You'll be able to hear that at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sam Amick with us for NBA Daily Assist. I think the Jazz are interesting. They're going to play a part. I'm sure they would prefer not to, which is the team that it all started with. And that's not their fault, because if it wasn't Rudy, it was going to be somebody else. But when they start up again, everything with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy is going to be on display. Quinn Snyder trying to be a leader like he was during the whole situation and get this team going in a good direction. On top of that, Boyan Bogdanovich has to have the procedure. He probably would have been able to gut it out through the playoffs if the season had never come to an end. That's a tough price to pay for a season being suspended. You lose a 20-point-per-game score, so I can talk about your jazz all day. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for Hot Takes or Toast, brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. Question of the morning up there on a Friday, PK. Thinking about the weekend, thinking about fun. Should be concert season. People are making efforts, you know, we've seen some stuff streamed online, there's been some stuff on TV, home concerts and all that. Garth Brooks, June 27th, 3,000 drive-in theaters across the country, 100 bucks a car. Garth Brooks is going to sell that out? People looking for something to do? Take the car to the drive-in, watch the Garth Brooks concert? Is that going to work? Uh, I don't know if it's going to sell out, but I would imagine some folks would do it for sure. Yeah, I can't tell you it's going to sell out, but I have read where they viewed that at, as maybe the new version of concerts rather than having the artists or artists travel around the world. You come to them. So I think that's part of the overall changes that we're going to see to one degree or another uh, in the world, not just in the music realm but literally everything we're going to see all sorts of different changes i mean it's a it's a much bigger issue than garth brooks appearing at your local drive-in i think the issue is what are we going to see you know as far as travel for businesses is it really necessary to do all this traveling can you do virtual meetings and zoom stuff so i think if you take the bigger issue at hand rather than the individual thing is what is this situation that we've had what would it mean going forward for changes across the board you know will conferences have media days anymore where you go and in this case down there in hollywood for the pac-12 or vegas for the mountain west uh, will they actually have that? Will they figure that that's, that is a needless cost that we don't, obviously being needless, we don't have to have? So I think that's the bigger issue. What changes will we see that will end up being permanent? You know, I wonder how much of this gets driven by, let's say, the Pac-12 conference in L.A. or, you know, the Mountain West in uh, Vegas or, or the SEC, and how much gets driven by the media outlets who don't want to go and don't want to pay for the travel. You know, even if the conference, because the conference is spending money, you know, they got to rent the site and all the stuff they got to set up. And they usually they have, you know, food, but they're setting up stages and lights and sound systems and all kinds of stuff. And they get the call, but then the, the media gets a call about where they want to travel. And we've talked about, uh, you know, it's hard times for newspapers. They don't have the money they used to. So do they want to travel? I can tell you TV stations don't want to. So I wonder who really gets to make the call. 
or if it's kind of uh, just kind of something they figure out on the fly. If it goes well and they get a lot of pub, well, then what the heck? I mean, the conference, you got to figure, especially in the case of the Pac-12 and the Mountain West, maybe not the SEC and the Big Ten, but a lot of conferences are under pressure to send more money to the schools. So why spend anything? Anytime you can cut the conference expenses, you know, then that money can be divvied up among the 10, 12, 14 schools, whatever's in the league. Yeah, I think as far as media day, I don't really see that's the issue. That's pennies. I mean, if you can't afford to send a writer down to California for one day, then you've got major issues. And I don't see where you're going to save that much where it's going to be that big of a deal. I think what we're going to see, like you've done with your soccer, is you're not traveling anymore. You're just sitting here locally doing it. And I think that's where that's where the money really, really adds up. It's not about a singular event. If they sent you to one soccer game to cover, I mean, that bitter rival where the just blood is shed every time the RSL plays Kansas City. I mean, it's unbelievable the, the amount of acrimony that between these two ball clubs. I, I, I just can't even believe they exist in the same country. But if they sent you to one game, it's not going to break the bank. It's not going to matter at all. It's just this other stuff. And as far as you know, the newspapers and whatnot, is there really any need to travel when you can just hire a stringer to go cover a game? You know, those are the types of things. It's, it's, it's much bigger than a singular event if you're looking to save money. I, I do think that the consumer suffers in all that. They don't, they don't necessarily know it. It's, it's, it's like growing old in a sense. I don't think you wake up one day when you're 60 or 50 or 70 and your body is completely shattered and you can't see anymore. Your vision is drastically changed. It's a little by little thing. And over time, it takes its effect, and I think that's what you're going to see because, obviously, you can hire a stringer and all, but that, that person, whoever she or she may be, has no relationship with anybody. And if it's just a regular game and one team wins 105 to 97 and there's no issues and whatnot, well, you just write a regular game story. But if there's some issues there that need to be examined, well, that person who goes in there and does that has no idea about it and is just trying to do the best he or she can. But it obviously wouldn't be the same as someone who's covering the team day in and day out. And so over time, that'll begin to decay the coverage. And I think the the, the reader, the, the viewer, the listener, that's the person who would, they wouldn't notice it literally in the moment, but over time they would. But Nevertheless, money talks, and it always does talk. It's the loudest speaker we have in the room at all times. <laughs> and so with that in mind, people are going to do what they need to do to save money. That's just the reality of it. Yeah, and you wonder with uh, people working from home if companies are going to end up shedding some of the uh, costs. Like, why should we have so much space in the office? We can downsize and right. let these people uh, you know, set up an office in their home, and they can pay for the space. You know, they can buy bigger homes or rent bigger apartments or whatever, so they have the space to work, and and we'll do we'll do with a little less and save a little cash there. Which, like you say, one month isn't a big deal, but you know, twelve months of the year, year after year, adds up to a pretty good chunk of change. Exactly. Yes. So I think that's what we're going to see, and and I'm real interested to see because I had read about this uh, probably uh, at least a month ago somewhere. Where, you know, you read stuff online all the time. And I had read something about these concerts thinking that this might be the way, the way to go. I can recall probably maybe three, four years ago, I was just searching around one Saturday night on Twitter and I saw a Zach Brown concert. Now he's based out of Atlanta. That's Georgia, his, his, his home state. And he did a concert down there in Atlanta 
and they put it on Twitter, right? Well, what I did then is I had this little stereo system, hooked it up to the computer, so I have a laptop, and I'm watching the concert, but the sound is coming through a little stereo system. So, you know, it wasn't the same as being there, right? But for Saturday night, and I hadn't planned on it, it just came about just watching and getting on Twitter. I ended up participating in the concert. I viewed the whole thing on my computer, and rather than the sound coming through my computer, I had it on a little sound system. I'm a Zach Brown fan. I've seen him probably five or six times, and I enjoyed that. It was fun. Now, it doesn't take the place, but I wasn't looking for something to take the place. I didn't even know it was going to happen until uh, 15 minutes before. So that could be something. And then they would charge you. Now, this one was for free, obviously, but there would be some form of way to they could block it to where you have to pay a fee to be able to get on. Right. So, yeah, I can see that coming. I don't know if it if it if it's as good as going down to Vegas or wherever it might be and taking advantage of that. But in the moment, it was fun. Well, it's kind of how sports transformed itself. Uh, and it was happening, what, the 80s and 90s? Uh, when they started putting uh, home games on TV. I mean, when I moved here, the Jazz were televising like 55 games a year. So there were a handful of home games on TV. When they did it with the Lakers, they, all the games had been over the air on the road, and suddenly they were putting home games on cable. That's how they eased into cable. And... It wasn't the same as going to a game, but it was a chance to see one more game. And, yeah, you had to pay a little bit of money, but that worked out over time. And pretty soon there were no games over the air, and they were all on TV. And that kind of evolved over, uh, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. And it's kind of what we're seeing with the games now. And we're seeing jazz fans who are, you know, waiting to see stuff streamed because they've cut the cord and they don't, they don't have DirecTV or Comcast or whatever. And so they're waiting for the next, the next evolution. And maybe this is the evolution for the concert industry. You want to see somebody a lot, this is great. You don't travel around all the time. You don't spend all that money. There are people complaining, uh, you know, you put four people in a car, it's the, tw- the 100 bucks that it would cost to go see Garth Brooks. Now it's 25 But uh, Joe Shannon says, uh, yeah, that's even with four in your car, that's $25 per person for a stream concert at a drive-in movie theater. And last year, I paid 15 bucks to watch a 311 concert at a Megaplex theater. So, got to hit the price point, I guess. Figure that out on the fly. That will evolve. Well, yeah, well, if it's a drive-in, then you have six of your buddies in the trunk, though, and you don't open <laughs> it until you get through. Nice. Now you got ten people. It's only ten bucks. A I piece. mean, that's the way drive-ins work, right? Smuggling buddies in the trunk? Yeah. Oh, you've never heard of that? No, I really haven't. Oh, I mean, I get boy, that you could you put them in the, me. hide them in the back of an SUV. Guys are really crawling in the trunk. Yak, you put the people in the trunk wow, there in Utah wow. County growing up? Yeah, he was have. I mean, was he of the drive-in generation, though? Yeah. He, I really was. I think, I, I think I've seen two drive-in movies in my life. So there's the drive-in movie theater over is on Redwood Road, not uh-huh. too far from here. I've been to actually three or four movies out there. It's not a huge thing anymore. But it's I think this idea, is, even close. This, this idea is actually, I think, pretty intriguing. You, you never went with your high school friends, DJ? Did you ever go out? Did you do yeah, any of that stuff? we went to you movies, ever, but we went to theaters. We didn't go did, to drive-ins. Did you ever do anything that was considered maybe on the cusp of lawlessness as a, as a teenager? Nothing? Nope. Law and order, PK. I'll, always towing that line. Right down the line. 
Well, <clears throat> there was a little stretch of road where I'd open the car up uh, a few miles over the speed limit. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in high school, <laughs> there was a drive, and not just one drive-in theater. There was a big, they had like four different screens, you know, depending on where you point at, right? And uh, my buddy and I, we hopped the fence. How about that? Just quit typing while I'm talking. And we hopped the fence and uh, it was a weeknight and we met some young ladies and we'll just leave it at that. And then we went to leave and somebody had taken the coil wire out of my friend's uh, engine and we had to call his father and he had to come fix it. <laughs> and it was a little awkward. In, in that situation because it was late and <laughs> we were doing illicit things and uh but his father didn't ask any questions he just came and my buddy who, who i didn't know anything about cars but he did he fixed the car and away we went but it was a little awkward there for a while but uh yeah we used to do that all the time you sneak in however you, you need to do i mean it's part of the fun of growing up right i mean they, luke bryant talks about uh you don't need wisdom as a teenager, because then the years would be a lot less fun. <laughs> it's good. It's good to be dumb and crazy early. Yes, that's when you're supposed to be. Miss out on the sneaking in the trunk to a driving theater. Mm. Mark's all about it. He says, cool idea with the driving theaters. I'm just not much of a Garth Brooks fan for some reason. Well, if it works for Garth and they make big money, then whoever you are a fan of will eventually do it because this is a, this is the kind of idea you know people are going to copy if it works. Yeah, see, my visions and my memories of driving movies were the screens. You know, they're these massive screens and they're very blurry. It's like when big screen TVs first came out. There wasn't it wasn't clear. It was blurry. The screen was bigger, but the quality of the picture wasn't nearly as good. So what did you do there? You know, you put up with it because it was bigger. But now, of course, you can have HD on a whatever. I mean, I tell you, we walk into Costco and I lost after those TVs all the time because <laughs> when they're right there, when you walk in, you know, and they're 70, 75 inches and they're just the same as anything as far as the picture quality. So I'd be interested to see what the picture quality is in a drive in situation. How much better with the technology that we've had? Have they been able to advance that to make it look way better than it used to be my i would guess that it's much better now i haven't been to a drive-in in many many years my parents when we lived in new jersey in the summer they loved the drive-ins i can recall going with them many many times uh, and that was that was part of the summer thing that you did because there you know the weather is certainly much worse than when i moved to Arizona and then to Los Angeles, but it's even much worse than it is where we live here in Utah in terms of the rain and the cold and all that stuff. I mean, winters there extend much longer than they do where we are. And look at this past spring, you know, April was just gorgeous around here. Well, you don't have that back there. You don't even have that in the summer. You know, occasionally we get some rain in the summer. Well, they can get rain for two, three days and it just rains the whole time. Right in the middle of the summer. That, that would <laughs> so, just suck. Yes. That would just suck. <laughs> you know, you look at our forecast for the next 10 days, and weather people, they're stealing money now. 
Well, that's not the way it is that's back there. Fact. It's going to be bright and sunny for the next right. yeah. X number of days. They got to go and change one number on the graphic. Oh, it's going to be yeah. 93 91 tomorrow. 91 becomes 92. and then the, Right, yeah. right. And that's about it, right? And But back there, no, it's not. So when you get that good weather, I don't want to say in the summer it's rare, but you can also get crummy weather. And we don't really get that, you know, occasionally some afternoon or what have you. Uh, and last weekend, uh, a couple of days was bad, but that was just at the start well, back there. So people take advantage of it. And I can recall going to drive-ins and the place would be packed because that's what people do. You were looking to get outside and it was a cheaper form of entertainment. So I, like Yach, I'm intrigued to see how this is going to play out and what's it going to mean and what's going to be the quality, you know, because you'd get that, you'd put it on the drive-in, right? And then you'd pull in, depending on if you're on the passenger or the driver, and you hook this little speaker onto your, you roll down the window of your car and, and you hook the sucked. little speaker on your car, right? <laughs> and, and, and it just sucked. Right, right. So you didn't have necessarily good quality on the screen and then the audio wasn't good quality. Well, what are they going to do now? Because if it was be the same as it was, well, that's not near good enough. But I'm I'm expecting that it won't be the same. It'll be much better. It'll be much more enhanced. You would assume. And there's all kinds of technology now. Who knows what they'll do? You know, it's uh, there's low power radio stations. You know, if you go to national parks, they're they're all broadcasting. They tell you to tune into whatever for the local weather forecast, wherever you are. And uh, or traffic conditions because they're doing road work in the summer or whatever. Uh, maybe it'd be something like that, and you get on your get on your car radio. I don't know what they'll do. Yeah, it could I could imagine it'd be much better though. Yeah, could be any list of things. Uh, well, and it could be uh, hey, go to this website on your phone, right? And maybe you're getting it on your phone. Who knows? Oh yeah, and then you have your own headphones, so you plug that in. And then you're listening to it via that way. So yeah. you're listening to whether what type of headphones do you have, which can be really state of the art. So I would imagine there would be all sorts of improvement there. Yeah. Go into the drive-in for the fuzzy picture and then the, uh, the low-end AM radio sound. That was, that was less than ideal. Well, that's not worth anything. Right. Might it's be not why, worth five bucks. Might be why drive-ins have gone away. Uh, yeah, you can see that. Yeah. And now with the megaplexes and all that stuff that's available, you, you know, it's, it's such a big deal. And going to the movies, this is an incredible experience, uh, even versus staying at home. And plus, people want to get out. So it's something to do and you can do it together. And that would be fun to do. You know, I've seen Bro- Garth Brooks in concert and, you know, you can take the whole family and not feel uh, any sense of embarrassment. You know, you just have to worry about the people around you, that they're not drunk and all that stuff. Uh, but you're not embarrassed by the lyrics. The music's fine. You know, he, was, he puts on a good show. Uh, he did that. Uh, he was at the Vivid uh, Smart Home uh, a few years back where he did like four shows. And on that Friday, he did, uh, I think his show started at 7. And then the other one was supposed to start at uh, 1030. And I thought, wow, that's going to be difficult to get 16,000, 17,000 people out and then get 16, 17,000 people in. So I made sure I went to the early show and, and I heard that the later show, and when we walked out uh, around 10 o'clock, you'd see thousands of people were lined <laughs> up. They had it all, they had it you know, cordoned off on the plaza. And I thought, man, this is going to be some endeavor. It's not some local bar where they do a couple of shows, you know, or a comedy show where they have, you know, 800 people or whatever it might be. And you can shuffle them in pretty easy so the artist can do two shows uh, almost virtually back to back. Right. I once when I was a kid, well, not a kid, but I was in college at NAU. There was a local artist 
and he was doing two shows and I stayed for both of them because they were I, I enjoyed the music and, and we stayed and it was no big deal you know there must have been like a 45 minute break in between the shows uh, but it was easy to get people in and out but here to have all those people I understand people didn't get home to like two in the morning and the show that I went to they brought John Stockton on stage and uh, introduced him because he had had his jersey retired and they had said that uh, Garth had set the record for uh, most uh, tickets sold by one artist in uh, at the arena because he had four consecutive shows. I think there was like, uh, what, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and then two on Friday. And he sold out every one of them. So the guy is wildly popular. In fact, he used to have a, a Vegas uh, stay. What do they call those things? Were they a residency? I residency, think they yep. Yeah. And he had one at Vegas and he would be, he would fly home. I think he was in Oklahoma. They fly back and forth to the show as he was doing his residency. Where they doing do it for like Donny Osmond did for like nine years. He'd fly from Provo down uh, to Vegas every week. Yeah, but yeah, but he was doing it every night. Oh, every I night, I, really? Yeah, I, I think yeah. Oh, that's that seems like way too much. I get the whole you, you're down there and you do however many you do in a week, and then you gotta. And Vegas are usually dark at least one day, but if you're a big enough star, you can cut your own terms. We're gonna we're gonna be dark for two days. Yeah, and those residencies, I think they go like two, three weeks at a time and then come back, blah, 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 blah. I think that's what they do. Hmm. Uh, so, but yeah, he was doing it in Vegas and people, and if you're doing a residency in Vegas, you got to be pretty popular, right? You would think uh, they, they do those shows like that. Uh, what's her, what's her face? Uh, Celine Dion. She, she has done a number of them, hasn't she there? Yep. And yeah. And so I understand people have said she has a house in St. George. I don't know if that's true, but I've heard that. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't know if she's traveling back and forth. How that works, if, if they're they're doing all that stuff. But yeah, it's an interesting concept, and the world is changing. And uh, to see where all these changes, it'll be interesting to see a year and two years from now what stuff has stuck and has become, to a degree, depending on what type of business, what type of uh, venture, has become permanent, or at least you know semi-permanent. This is the way we do things differently now yeah. than we did because of the pandemic. Well, I think the two that we've spotted and talked about here in the last three months that I still think have the best chance of sticking is really new uh, rules for recruiting. A lot less time on the road. There'll probably still be some. You know, still maybe the home visit to close, but all the stuff leading up to it, I think that is going to be the, the number of days these guys are on the road, I would expect to be <clears throat> really uh, cut down dramatically for football and basketball, for the other sports too, but football and basketball are what we see the most and follow the most. And then I think the other thing is the NBA schedule has a good chance of changing. You know, to what, we'll find out, but it seems like that mid-October start, I think I'd be a little surprised with all the enthusiasm I've heard for, you know, a December start. So you're saying, when you say the schedule changes, you're talking about calendar changes. Calendar changes in the NBA. I'm... The whole 66-game thing we were talking about early in the hour, it makes sense to me, but you're still giving up games and the teams that own the arenas. It's a double whammy because they lose the game and they lose the date in the arena. So uh, I, I know they're going to keep talking about it. I have a hard time seeing them do it because all we've ever seen is games added. I and mean, we haven't – baseball went from 154 to 162. It's never gone back. Football went from 12 to 14 to 16. Now it's going to go to 17. We've never seen it go the other way. So I realize it could happen, and it makes sense. 
but until I see it, I don't want to predict it. Whereas the December to July schedule or whatever they end up doing, that that makes sense to me. That that seems the odds are pretty good on that one. Well, the calendar, I don't care what they do, as I've said, but I would have a hard time thinking that some owners would sign off. In the West, you're going to play Charlotte the same amount of time as you play the Lakers. You're losing money. <laughs> I mean, I realize that the Lakers only come in twice, but I would think that the TV ratings for when you play the Lakers down in Los Angeles are much higher than when you play Charlotte. So I can't see that. I, I know that uh, when the Diamondbacks were coming in and Colangelo was running the show, he was insistent that they be in the NL West because he knew that's where you're going to maximize the money because so many people from Arizona are going to relate to the Dodgers and, that, and the Giants. And he demanded that that's who they play versus uh, whomever it might be, uh, Kansas City or who was ever – uh, who's just to pick a team where, so I, I have a hard time seeing that ownership would only want to play the Lakers twice as opposed to four times, because I think you're going to make money. The more times you play the Lakers, the more time, the more money you're going to make one way or the other. Well, that's why the Brewers ended up switching leagues. Bud Selig had the pull and the juice to get it done. And he wanted to have the Cubs come into town, not the White Sox. Of course. So he made it happen. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. David Locke's on the way at 8 o'clock. Stay with us. We'll talk with him in about 15 minutes. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on The Zone Sports Network. David Locke, do you think that there's going to be an asterisk or an emphasis placed on this championship? You know, if the Lakers win and you hate the Lakers, you'll put an asterisk next to it, right? Like, the world changed. It's a different model. It's going to be a different structure. The best way to define it is you will be the champion of the 2019-2020 season. Like, this is what the 2019-2020 season is, and this is who the champion is. And that's the same way, like, I think the Spurs asterisk is stupid. It was a 66-game schedule. That's what the season was. They we're the champion. There's no other way to find a champion. I mean, it'll be a really strange moment to win a title in front of nobody. And in some ways, you know, maybe this is harder. Like, you've got to live without your family. You've got to build a new routine. You've got to motivate yourself without crowds. Like, maybe this is going to be much more difficult. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. With a little extra time on your hands, it's time to talk about what we're doing to kill time. What did you watch last night with DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network? Too much time on my hands. Too much time on my What were you watching last night? PK, you see anything good? I did, yeah. Absolutely, I did. You know, I watched some of the golf, obviously. But then last night, I also watched some top-ranked boxing. And I'm not a boxing guy, but this was live. And it was down in Vegas because it said MGM Resorts. And, of course, they didn't have any fans there. But they had the crews in each corner. And then they had some folks that uh, needed to be there to do their job and all that stuff. But one of the things that was interesting is that you could hear the referee because there was zero crowd noise, right? So you could hear the referee, and it was just interesting to hear his voice 
And it was two, I'm not a boxing dude. It was two uh, smaller dudes. I mean, they were going at it. The fight, actually, the, the uh, Dominican guy against the American, the Dominican ended up being disqualified for his fourth low blow. Ah. Yes. <laughs> and one of the times, the American guy, you could see him grimace and start to uh, basically buckle over a little bit. And the referee is trying to step in. And the other guy punches the dude right in the head. And it's like, well, it was time. Time was called, essentially. So finally, after the fourth low blow, the referee steps in and he calls it. And it was in the 10th round. And I watched probably eight of the 10 rounds, right? And I was intrigued by the ref because he was an older guy and he was big. And so I figured, well, he's got to be a Vegas guy, right? And he's probably got something to do with uh, UNLV because... I don't know if there's a guy named Mark Ratner who is like the commissioner of boxing. And I think he's moved over to MMA. He's been doing it for years. He's been in Rocky movies. Well, he keeps the shot clock for UNLV games. And I also saw, saw him at football games. Right. So I figured this guy had to have been somebody. So they, they mentioned the name. The referee's name was Robert Byrd, B-Y-R-D. So I call him up, right? You get on the Internet and you can do anything these days, right? And sure enough, in 2018, the Las Vegas Review Journal did a story on him. He's older now. He's like 77, 78. But this was live, and he still was in great shape. He looked like he could get in the ring practically. And he used to be a former California highway patrolman. And he... Also, he works as an usher at UNLV games, and he sang the national anthem a couple times before games, right? So I'm going to read you something out of the Review Journal because I told you, I texted you last night, and I said how it relates to Utah. And here goes. The former California Highway Patrol officer said concerts and UNLV rivalry games get the rowdiest. If he sees a fight in the stands, He doesn't allow his boxing referee instincts to kick in. Quote, my uncle used to tell me, son, you don't run to a fight. You walk, Bird said. Quote, for the most part, fans behave. But I do remember some crazy incidences when Utah and BYU played against UNLV. I don't know what it is about the fans in Utah. (laughs) (laughs) And he doesn't separate out the Utah Cougars. They can't look at the other group and go, yeah, you guys are really over the line over there. (laughs) No, it's both of you. (laughs) Right. What is in the water coming out of the Wasatch Mountains? (laughs) I don't know what it is about the fans in Utah. So fans in Utah, what is it about you people? 100-mile rule, once you get 100 miles from home, all bets are off. You're going to put on your full school regalia. You're going to get the Marlboros out by the gate. few brews, and you're going to start a brawl. Now, we do remember that one year when Vegas played BYU on a Saturday afternoon in the tournament final, and there were some issues there with the fans and one of the BYU players' wives. And if you recall all that stuff, uh, that that created a, a little bit of a, a problem. I wouldn't call it a melee or anything, but there were some fans there, and that was a big issue. I don't even remember what the issue was. I just remember that it was an issue at the time because I was down there uh, covering it for one entity. I can't even remember when, if I was just doing the newspaper or just doing it for the radio or what. But, uh, yeah, so this guy, Robert Byrd, who is a total B.A. if you saw him in the uh, in the ring, man, because because when they would get together and he'd have to, you know, break it up, 
he would kind of two hand push the guys. <laughs> so they'd, they'd move back and he was bigger than them. And hey, you can look at him and he's an older man, but uh, you could tell he commands, he has a commanding presence in the ring. And so as an usher, he doesn't know what it is about fans in Utah. <laughs> I was uh, channel surfing early last night and came across uh, Vince Lombardi. Uh, it, it, the title, it was something to do. It was like Vince Lombardi, the Washington Redskin year or something like that. And, you know, there's not there's video from back then, but not, you know, it wasn't everywhere like it is now. But I can imagine he, he coached the Packers for the five, ti- five titles in seven years, the first two Super Bowls. That group was going old. He burned out. He took a year off. And then he came back in Washington, and they had a reporter. They got the file video, or uh, wouldn't been video, it would have been filmed, the film from some local TV station. The reporter is talking about the three big names that are brand new that have just arrived in town in 1969. And it was Vince Lombardi. Ted Williams as the manager of the Washington Senators and Richard Nixon. And the guy saying, it'll be interesting to see which one of them has the most success. Well, Nixon, of course, resigned from office. Williams, it was a short-lived run. The team moved to Texas and became the Rangers uh, four or five years later. And Vince Lombardi coached one year and then was diagnosed with cancer and lost his battle with cancer, I think, within another year. So none of them had any success. But, man, there was old-time video, and they had... uh, they had him mic'd up all the time. It was weird to see this guy who mostly I've seen pictures of, and all of a sudden there's this whole documentary, and it, it replays on the NFL Network. So if you, if you like that kind of stuff, you can see it at some point. All right, DJ PK, David Locke. We've got more details on the return of the Jazz. We will talk with him about that and all his theories now that he's seen the schedule. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.